Hi, I'm Carolyn. Hi, I'm Jeremy, and we're licensed marriage and family therapists in California. And we've been friends for the past 20 years. For 10 of those years, we've been working as therapists with families, couples, and individuals. And one of us has been through a divorce, a remarriage, and a blended family. Welcome to Weenus, a relationship podcast. Welcome to the Weenus podcast with Jeremy and with Carolyn. Hi. And we are here today with, we have a number one fan. Did you know that, Carolyn? I did because I forwarded you the email. That's, you're supposed to play along with that. But we have a fan and her name is Karen Romero. She is a fan of Weenus and she let us know, which means she is our number one wiener. Yay. Karen Romero, thank you so much. We're, we're, so, we're so glad to have a single fan. We're hoping within the next year that we can have maybe a second fan. Yeah. Maybe we'll get that, that successful. Yep. Two fans. <laughs> but, but seriously, it was really lovely to, to just know that someone's listening and, and that, it, that it means something. So I think that that's really nice. You know, it kind of feels like you're, you're just operating in a vacuum doing this. So, so that was really lovely, Karen. Thank you. Thank you so much for the nice uh, email to us that uh, you appreciate what we're talking about. And I think that we have a really good topic to discuss today because it's about something I haven't seen a whole lot of literature out there about this, but I know Carolyn, you and I have done a lot of work with parents who are working with children who have various different behavioral and mental health disabilities and how difficult it is for what these parents are going through and how by the time that they usually are sitting down with us, these parents are exhausted and demoralized and just sad and isolated from their mm -hmm. friends. And they've spent so long trying to get mental health care and school help for their children that they haven't spent a whole lot of time on themselves, on their spirituality, on getting a therapist for themselves. And so we wanted to talk today about the journey of a parent who has a child that with a mental health disorder, whether we're talking about spectrum related disorder or other behavioral problems uh, or even depression where a child is in danger for long periods of time of going away quietly and starting to cut on themselves and then a parent discovering them and that constant worry of a parent at work or at home that's wondering what their child is doing at any given moment. Right. Yeah. And I think for the most part, the parents that I've seen, I mean, how many IEPs have you been to, Jeremy? Oh, gosh. The worst kind of meetings on the planet. They are. They're so tough. And as, as the mental health provider um, it's often our job to kind of help balance the situation and to really, you know, I've worked with some really, really wonderful um, providers, really wonderful teachers who are very strength-based and really want to focus on that. Um, great, great work by Ross Green, um, where he really focuses on kind of the tagline, so to speak, is that children do well when they can. Um, and that so often a lot of the expectations that we have of kids, you know, think about a kid with ADHD sitting in a classroom all day. And surprise, they have behavioral problems, right? Um, because we're asking every kid to be the same. Um, and certainly, you know, my husband's a teacher. I know that for him, it can be really difficult. There's, you know, 20 to 30 or more different little personalities in the room that you have to try to figure out and figure out what their needs are. Um, but oftentimes, really, the kids are the main focus and they're getting a lot of specialized treatment or support or services. And I see the parents show up at these IEP meetings, for example, 
And they kind of, you know, oftentimes they're, they either come in, you know, ready for combat because they're used to being told no, or that they just don't know enough, or that this is what we can or can't do for them. Or they just kind of look like deers in the headlights. They don't know what to ask for, for their kids. Um, and I think that, you know, kids do well when they can, but parents do well when they can too. But we just don't talk, we don't talk about this stuff. You know, we were talking, Jeremy and I, um, before the, the podcast, before we started recording, and I kind of jokingly said, you know, I wish that we called this things we don't talk about um, because it's, it's normal for you and I, right? Like we, we talk about these things. We listen to people talk about these things all day, but in our real life, no one's talking about this stuff. Like, why is that? So I think that this is great to really talk about that um, and to try to provide a little bit of support for the parents out there. Yeah. Based on what I've, I've kind of seen in the years that I've been doing this, I, I see that the parent has a child. The child has all of the hopes and dreams of the parent wrapped up in that little body. And there's dreams of college, there's dreams of a wedding, there's dreams of uh, having a, a good family and a career someday. And that's what every parent really wants to create for their child. But they begin noticing some early on, this is a different kind of child. Mm-hmm. The child is, is maybe has some behavioral issues, doesn't get along well with others, uh, tends to be more to themselves, has some ex- ex- uh, eccentricities. Uh, maybe there is some spectrum disorder in there where they 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 the concept of information that they're, they're getting in can be overwhelming to them. And it starts the parent down a very long road that is different from the road that all of their friends are going down with their children. And so there is this isolation that is, that is uh, immediately created between the parents of the special needs child and the other parents out there who either are not talking about their own problems mm-hmm. or they are not having these kinds of problems to the degree of the parent with the special needs child. That in itself is isolating. And you compound upon that the fact that the child has more problems at school, more phone calls with principals, more, more uh, phone calls with teachers, uh, possibly with some medication uh, with a psychiatrist and, and, and these sorts of things, while also dealing with pretty extreme behaviors that can be very exhausting for the parent uh, as the parent searches to try to see what it is that they can do uh, to, to help the child. And this search for trying to help the child comes with shame and embarrassment and feeling like they're not up to the task all the time feelings of overwhelm and, and, and all of that, that that goes along with having a child that has a, it's seemingly an unending runway of needs. Right. Yeah. And I think that we kind of get in this position, especially right now amongst everything that's going on. So here in California, we've got wildfires burning. We've got, you know, social distancing and isolation due to COVID. Um, we've got any number of kind of social issues going on, um, you know, and, and I think that we are all becoming more and more and more isolated. And I'm hearing people say more and more and more, like, you know, I'm feeling overwhelmed, but, you know, I just talked to a client this morning. She's, she quite literally has quite a lot on her plate with work um, and the demands that are being placed on her there. But she said, you know, well, but, you know, my friends are having a stressful time at work too. And so what I encouraged her to do was to, this is an old DBT skill, 
use the word and instead of but, you know, and, and I think that that really applies in parenting as well that, you know, sure, if, if all of your friends have kids, you know, young kids, we may feel like, well, sure, I'm having a difficult time with my kids, but so are they. Like, I can't complain to them or talk with them about it. It's okay, right? So I'm having a difficult time with my child and you're having a difficult time too. It doesn't mean that you don't have space or room for me to, to share those things. It doesn't mean that I'm saying that mine is worse than yours. There is no such thing as harder. There is just hard. Um, and that is a wonderful quote from Ash Beckham. Um, that wasn't something I came up with myself. Um, so, but I really do believe it. There, there really isn't such a thing as harder. We're all dealing with hard and we all need to be able to have a space that's safe enough to talk about that. Um, and guilt and shame are just the biggest silencers of all time, really. They, they, they really are. And in my experience with parents, I, I've, I've worked with a lot of parents who have children who have pretty extreme behavioral disorders and, and so forth. And it hurts when you stop getting invited places mm -hmm. by friends and family, because last time your child did something that was really tough with the other kids, uh, or there's smaller children there and the child acts in a way that is not appropriate, uh, swears out loud, um, causes fights, it's always some big drama or something like that. And so then all of a sudden, your social, your socializing with other parents starts getting limited, starts getting uh, uh, um, taken down a, a bit. And it can happen within families uh, and, uh, and that sort of thing. It's, it's, it's difficult feeling that level of social isolation because there's not really any parenting support groups out there that the, these parenting support groups tend to, to, to focus on the child. Well, here's mm -hmm. what I did with my child. Here's the, the way to write the IEP. Here's the, you know, you need to call this lawyer and these sorts of things. Great stuff. We're not talking about that today. We're, we're talking about really the spiritual wellness of a parent who has the right to their feelings and their grief Really, and this is the tough thing to talk about here, grieving the child that you wish that you had had, and you don't have that child, you have this child. And, and it's, a, a really, it's a really difficult thing and on, on parents because you want to love your child. Uh, and, and that can be a challenging thing because sometimes it's hard to find that heart for your child. And you go, yes, I love my child. And you feel it at a certain degree, but I don't like my child. My child breaks my things. My mm -hmm. child throw things, throws things out the window. My child makes me feel crazy sometimes. Um, and it's, that's a very, very shameful thing that sometimes parents will admit to me and sometimes they just can't. Uh, mm -hmm. And, and it's, it's so difficult for them. Yeah, I think even in the safe space of a counseling room, I, my, my favorite moments in doing the work that we do are those moments where I see a client kind of struggling with sharing something out loud um, and just allowing them the space to really, to be with that for a moment, you know, to, to say out loud, like, I, I wish that my child was different or, or I just don't like them sometimes can feel very uncomfortable. I've, I've, I've seen this a lot really out of parents who adopt because uh, there's often a, a long story 
the, the preceding an adoption. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and these parents come at it from a, a really good heart and they, they do all the right things that you would do with a child and they read to them and they, uh, you know, play with them and, and, and are, are kind with them. Uh, sometimes the, the, the trauma early on in life really does come out strong and parents uh, end up dealing with whether it's an adopted child or a biological child of what did I do wrong? Right. How could this have gone so badly? Because even though my child has these various different behavioral disorders, why do they act this way towards me? Why is it so difficult? Why do I feel so alone in, in all of this? And you know, oftentimes this can be at the detriment of a marriage and a relationship. So the, see, there's the tie-in, there's the weenus right there. Right. So you have both parents in a grieving process with a, a, a child that has various different disabilities and, and problems. And it can very easily be either one parent getting played off of the other parent by these very sophisticated behaviorally disordered child, or you have both parents trying their hardest with the best skills that they have available to them to manage behavioral disorders, problems, temper tantrums, and trying trying to find love and connection in all of that. Mm -hmm. It can be really difficult because there's a lot of blame that, that, that can right. be a sign for maybe one person made a mistake early on or, or you didn't like the way somebody approached this. Yeah, and I think even being able to kind of be honest with our partners sometimes about parenting, you know, I'm, I'm a step-parent. Um, and I think that while, you know, my husband and I, we definitely view each other as partners in that, um, there is a difference in, in me not being the biological parent for the children. Um, and so there's there's certain conversations where as a biological father and as someone who, you know, is part of these children's lives, their whole life, that he does feel a lot of that, you know, um, of guilt or blame or, you know, there's mistakes. He'll openly admit there's mistakes that he feels he made in in raising his children. Um, And as the biological parent, you know, there's there's a lot of weight to that. And I see him carrying that alone. And, and even as a, as a therapist and as his partner, um, that's a very difficult thing for him to, sh- to share with me of, of what it means to be a parent. Um, you know, he doesn't have to be alone in that. And he has a wonderful ex-wife who is, is still a part of the children's life, um, who he still partners with. And actually she and I speak on a pretty regular basis too. Um, but there is a loneliness in that, um, of especially think of all of the parents out there who are single parents or who have separated from the biological, um, you know, father or mother of their children and, and move on to different relationships. And there's just so much complication in all of it. Um, and there's just, it feels like so little honest conversation about what it is to be a parent and how very challenging it really is, whether or not the child has any kind of special circumstances at all. Um, but certainly if we're dealing with mental health issues um, or behavioral issues, you know, why we carry a lot of blame and guilt and shame for that is so interesting to me. It, it really is. And what I encounter a lot are parents who have been working nonstop 24 24- eight for years and years and never, never resting. And, and they go, well, how can I rest? My child still needs help. You know, I I can't be that selfish when parents need a respite too. And these children have their own problems, but the more, the more frustrated, the more inundated, the more 
that you don't rest as a parent, the, the, the harder it is to think of, of creative solutions and the ability to, to come at something in a different way or not feel so threatened by something because you've had some time to get some perspective. So mm-hmm. now what does rest mean when you have a disabled child? It often means you're not going on vacation and you're not getting any time away uh, from the child uh, per se. Uh, and maybe your child has some, some safety issues that, that, that you can't really uh, get away from. But what I'm finding, uh, what I've found with, with these parents is that there's this hypervigilance where they feel like they're constant being in the mix and checking on a regular basis and being up in the, their, their, their child's business is them being an effective parent. And, you know, of course, want to make sure that our, our, our children are, are, are safe, but let's not pretend that you have to check on them every single minute. If this means that you can peel off for just 10 minutes and get yourself a brain vacation, listen to that song you love, uh, do some sort of like mindfulness exercise, a, a uh, guided meditation of which there are 20,000 of them on YouTube that are five minute, 10 minute guided meditations and so forth. They're just really good for a brain vacation. That's the kind of daily practice that you need to have because it is completely normal to feel totally overwhelmed in a situation like this. Mm -hmm. Totally normal to feel embarrassed around friends when something doesn't go right. It's, It's totally normal to feel isolated when you are isolated from people because there, there have been, you know, maybe some behavioral issues in the past. So you carving out time to walk around the block, you carving out time to you know, get your favorite Frappuccino and, and sit there and listen to the music and, and watch people come and go from the coffee shop after COVID, of course, um, is, is, is really you giving yourself the time that you absolutely require to, to, to deal with all of this stuff because it is tough. Right. And I think that it comes from, I think that there's a couple of things in that, um, in that it comes from kind of this place of acceptance. Um, you know, you had mentioned that grief that parents experience, um, and it comes from a place of accepting the child that's in front of us um, and, and actually allowing ourselves to grieve what we thought would be. And, you know, I've heard so many parents kind of talk about that idea of, you know, what they expected. And I think what we expect out of our, our child, you know, what you said was that all of our hopes and dreams are kind of wrapped around this tiny little being, right? And it's like, why do they have to carry all, the, all of those things? You know, why do we have such high expectations for kids? Um, and really kind of thinking about that. So acceptance, you know, I think acceptance gets a bad rap. It's not this kind of hands in the air, this is just what my life is kind of you know, woe is me victimhood. It's, it just is accepting, you know, this is what my child is. This is what's going on. And this is the help that they'll need. Um, and this is what life is going to look like. And so, you know, I think right now people are really feeling a lack of a sense of tribe. And so we can bemoan that and kind of sit around in our social isolation and not talk about what we're experiencing, or we can accept what is and connect to the resources that we do have. Um, And I think that that can be challenging is allowing ourselves to kind of accept the help that we need. And I think as parents, parents focus so much on what their children need that they forget that even like something as as simple as going to a counseling session, you know, just going to a couple counseling sessions and spending that money and that hour on themselves just feels out of reach. And that just, it it does, but it doesn't lead you to being a better parent. 
Right. Yeah. We, 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 I, I'm seeing also that there, there, this grief, it works its way into the relationship mm-hmm. where, you know, both parents are going through a different kind of grief. And there's probably a lot that they're not really admitting to one another about their own feelings because they're ashamed of their own feelings with right. regard to the situation. And so what, what happens is their experience and their shame and their grief and all these different things come together and it affects the way that they're relating to one another. And so there is some unspoken tension in the relationship that, that leads to further and further uh, separation. We all become different people to a, to a strong degree when we become parents. It changes your identity. It changes your values. It changes the things that, that you think are important. And it often changes the, like the mission statement of your life and, and mm-hmm. who you are and what the, the value of your life is. And, and, and so that combined with a, a high, high level of stress, that becomes intertwined in the identity. Um, one spouse comes home into a home where the other spouse has been working with the child, dealing with the child, and then work stress collides with home stress. Mm-hmm. And that's how the evening starts. And then generally the behaviorally disordered child feels that sense of shift and the instability there between the two, because there's no, there's, there's difficulty with harmony there and communication. And then it unravels further. And I think, you know, that just goes back to me. I think that there's, I've heard so often in in my conversations with clients and with friends, this idea that we kind of have to, to prove how challenging something is, right? So let's say a partner's home after a day at work and there's another partner who's been home. You know, even for my husband and I, like he goes into school and, and does distance learning from school and I'm here at home and he, you know, neither one of us really sees the other's day. But if, if I was home with a child with special needs or who needed a lot of attention from me, in addition to balancing all of my home life and my husband comes home and, and he's had a stressful day, again, just remembering that there isn't, it's not harder. It's just, we both experienced hard. Both of our days were difficult and it's okay to just vent about your day and listen about your day. And I think it can be really challenging for our partners because we want innately to fix things for each other. Um, We don't want our partner to experience suffering. And somehow we've got it twisted up in our brain that if we convince them that our day was harder, that somehow that will ease their suffering. And I don't know why that is. You have the right to have a relationship that doesn't circle around only your child. Mm-hmm. And, and if it does circle around only your child, whether or not your child has a behavioral problem, that is not a solid uh, situation. A, 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 a couple is oftentimes defined by, do you have children or not? And part of that is, is certainly fine. Who are you outside of that? And who are you in your community? Because it, you know, it, it's, it's not just a, a, a permission to go get therapy now thing. It is permission mm-hmm. to not be completely isolated by your circumstances. Make sure that you're having conversations with people who you care about and who are, have been a part of your family and a part of your life. Because this kind of thing isolates you on a very kind of automatic basis. And I, I, uh, 
I ask parents, when is the last time you went out with a friend? And they laugh. They just, they just, they just laugh. Like, what are you even talking about? When am I going to have the time to do that? I, I, I work, I've got, you know, Joey who comes home and then it's, it's this whole thing. Uh, and I'm, I, I'm, you know, definitely empathetic towards that. But the more you become completely enmeshed with this issue, the less you get to love, care for, and cherish you and your relationship and putting that relationship as a priority so that you and your, your uh, partner are not completely wrapped up in the, the care and feeding uh, of the disabled and, and behaviorally disordered child that you carve out some kind of time in some capacity, even if it means that you've got a shared words with friends or a chess game going mm -hmm. on with your, your partner, or there's all sorts of cool apps for that sort of thing, so that there is a you too, and not just simply a what are we doing with Jonathan right. today situation. Reach out to your friends, yeah. reach out to your neighbors, carve out a life for you in all of this. You still have an identity. Right. And I think that, that it's almost expected that we lose that when children enter the picture. Um, and I think that children do require, you know, so, so much of our time and energy when they're, when they're very young. Um, and then somehow we just kind of continue in that mode of mother or father for the rest of their lives, really. Um, and so I think that carving out that, that space that there's, you know, and the kind of interesting thing is on the flip side of that, as a therapist, I talk a lot with, with my clients about recognizing that, you know, my father's name is Ken. Um, and Ken is a human being in and of himself who isn't just dad and who doesn't just exist to meet my expectations of what dad is. Ken is Ken and Ken has his own life. Um, and I think that as parents, oftentimes we're expected to lose that. And, and like you said, then that in that moment, we kind of lose, you know, mom and dad is that their only relationship as mom and dad. And I think, you know, my favorite time, my favorite time of the day is when my husband and I go to bed together. Um, and, and just to that, it's so private and it's just us. And that's the, the and especially when we had the kids living with us, um, they've all moved out now and they're, they're doing well. Um, but that's the time that we get where it's just us, you know, it's private. It's just, it's, it's close. I'm a physical touch kind of person. And so just being in that proximity to my partner. Um, and so finding those moments in your day with your partner, um, when Jesse comes home, typically not always, but we try to make a habit of, you know, kind of just sitting down together and we do kind of our daily download, you know, how's your day been? Um, you know, here's what's happened in my day. Um, and that, I love that too. That's kind of my number two favorite time of the day. Um, but knowing your love language, I think can be really important in knowing how you experience that connection with your partner. Um, you know, for some people it's going on an adventure together. For some people it's just, you know, reaching out and, and holding each other's hand. For some people, you know, it's, it's words of encouragement, whatever that is. For me, being in that close proximity to my partner um, in a private environment like that, where I know we don't have to, to do anything but be together, that, that's what works for me. So finding out when that moment is when you really feel connection with your partner and trying to, like Rick Hansen tells us, soak in the good, really be in that moment and try to turn all those other labels off, you know, mother, um, business partner, whatever those things are, turning those things off and just being partner um, and just really growing that weenus.
together. Exactly. Exactly. Now going to bed might be your favorite part of the day, but your favorite part of the week is the Weenus podcast. <laughs> and so <laughs> we would like to thank everybody for listening this week and, and being a part of this. And we know that you're just going to go and do a review on whatever, uh, whatever platform you're listening to us on. We thank you for being here and we want more wieners. More and wieners so out there in wieners. Want to be, if you want to be a cool wiener like Karen, um, you can email us at ascentonlinecounseling at gmail.com um, or you can check out our website um, or please leave a review. Um, and please feel free to give us feedback and let us know, you know, what kinds of things, what aren't you talking about with anyone else? You know, what is it that you would love to hear more about? Um, because Jeremy and I just, gosh, we have what, over 20 years experience combined mm -hmm. um, of talking with, with kids and families and couples and adults and, um, and just hearing about these experiences in people's lives. And so we would definitely love to be able to, to provide that space for you and just know that, that if you do need to talk with someone that we're here. Absolutely. Thank you all for being here. All right. Take care, wieners. <laughs>